0: This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com.
1: Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson and Orr! 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 For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
0: Talking Bruins and NHL.
1: Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah.
0: With writer and producer Brian Felice, Brian D. Felice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah
2: little bit
0: on the hot seat. Burn him! And weei.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, Scott! Lace him up for some beast talk right now. I'm looking at It's the Skate Pod on WEI. Welcome into episode 144 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian Felice, joined by Bridget Bruins, Scott McLaughlin. Bruins fall tonight to the LA Kings 3-2 in a shootout on Thursday night. They fall to... 23-4 and 2 on the season. I say fall too loosely, but uh it is what they did. Um you know not the I would say this is the second consecutive game for the Bruins uh where they just really they weren't they they didn't even bring I don't think even their their B game. Um against the Islanders they got away with it. Tonight against the Kings not so much. They squandered 2-0 lead and fall in the shootout.
1: Yeah. And that, you know, after the game, there's still some talk of like, well, you know, they just had a long road trip. They haven't practiced since they got back because obviously they had Monday off. That was their travel day. You know, Tuesday is just a morning skate before the game. Um, But I don't know. Like, you know, you've been back for three days. I kind of feel like normally, you know, that's enough time for a team to recover, but yeah, they just kind of seemed off. And, you know, Krejci's first game back, I thought he was a little off. Um, and they, you know, it they've been such a great third-period team. They've been the best third-period team in the NHL. They hadn't lost but before tonight. They hadn't lost when leading after two periods. Um, and they they blow a lead, really, for the, for the first time this season in, in terms of, like, you know, like an actual legitimate blown lead resulting in a loss. Um, they're up 2 nothing after two and give up two in the third period. Now, you know, I think the tying goal was... Probably shouldn't have really happened because the penalty, the first... It happens on a five-on-three, and the first penalty call on Clifton wasn't a penalty. It was... I mean, it was a nudge, a shove, and... um Philip Dano went down very easy and got the call. And then Carlo gets a tripping call, like almost right off the face off to give. It was seven seconds later. Yeah. To give the Kings an extended five on three. That, you know, that was a penalty. He, you tripped them. Easy call. It Um, was kind of
2: weird though. Like it seemed like he couldn't avoid the ref. Like on the draw. So like, he's like trying to move one way and then his stick ends up there. Obviously it was a trip, but it was yeah. kind of a weird situation too.
1: Yeah. And, but you know, the Bruins had their chances still like that. They had a power play just before that, a chance to extend the lead. They couldn't capitalize. Uh, whoops. I just hit my hand on the table. So that's a loud bang you heard. Um, <laughs> and then they get a, another power. They get another power play right at the end of regulation that carries into overtime and they can't capitalize on that either. So you know, still even with blowing the lead had chances, but uh end up falling in the shootout, which you know, we know it's kinda of just a crapshoot once you get there and which uh, by the
2: way, their first two first two shooters scored. Coyle and debruss yeah. both scored right off the bat and then uh but two goals from both of their first scores too. So um their first shooters. So it, it, I was kind of like, Oh, okay, well, this is kind of what is saying, like Coyle goes first. He scores. You have the momentum, and then Debrus scores. And but after that, it just kind of went downhill. Because then they, when it's tied again, and you keep seeing guys miss and miss and miss, you know, it's not. It's probably not going your way for much longer.
0: I think. I think this is a game like tonight. Is kind of the danger of uh, having such a strong start to the season if you're the Bruins, I think it's just kind of, I think it's just kind of tough to, to get up for a Thursday night game in December against the Kings. When you've gotten off to a 23, three and uh, 23, four and one start. And it just felt like it was just, it just felt like that. It just felt like it was just one of those games, one of 82 type of games. And to Scott's point earlier, it's like, you understand that against the Islanders because, you know, you've had a lot of, heavy duty games over the last three and a half weeks against some really good teams, albeit not at full strength, but you've, you've traveled out to, to Denver and Arizona and Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, you come back home and you play a pretty stingy Islanders team and it, that one's understandable. Like, you know, and they've still found a way to win, but to Scott's point, it's like, you know, you've had, you've been home now for for three, four days and and you've been in your own bed and you, 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 you you got the cobwebs out against the Islanders. And tonight was one of those games where it's like, this is one of those games you come out flying and you come out with tons of energy. It's it's tailor-made for the home team to play well. And they just seemed really lethargic and, uh, and, and sloppy. And I thought that, quite frankly, I thought the Bruins got what they deserved. I know if you look at the stats for the game, they'll tell you the Bruins outshot them, outhit them. But I just felt like the Bruins kind of got what they deserved. I, I think that it's not necessarily that like they played so bad they deserve to lose they certainly just didn't take advantage of their opportunities to to step on the on the snake's throat and when you when you give a team an opportunity to come back in the game they'll do it so it was uh I I definitely just I don't want the Bruins to fall into this trend of like we're only going to get up for games that that interest us like if we play in Tampa if we play in Toronto because you you like I understand they're going to have their hiccups. Like, that's all part of the season. I'm, I'm not laboring on that point because they lost. It's just a matter of, like, just don't let these happen too often.
1: Yeah, and and after the game, uh, Montgomery said he sensed frustration on the bench. Uh, some of the players in the log room kind of said something similar. Or, you know, it was, and, like, Marchand, it was obviously visible. He... Ended up taking three penalties, I believe, and, uh, you know, a couple of them were just, like, clear retaliation or, you know, getting into trying to, like, create a scrum or, or you know, don't really know if it was just pure emotion that he kind of, like, get away from him a little or, you know, if he's trying to spark something by just bringing some fire, you, you know, Montgomery said he, he likes that fire. I don't, he probably doesn't like the something penalties, in but vinegar. He, but he, yeah, yeah, he said, "quote he to, something in vinegar."
2: Yeah, he had to censor himself.
1: Um, you know, and Marcia, after the game, said, you know, he probably got carried away like a little bit. Um, but yeah, then, but that was like sort of representative of the team. It, you know, I don't know if it was whether it was the officiating or the Kings doing a pretty good job disrupting, like especially through the neutral zone. I don't think the Bruins really struggled to get speed going for, for much of the night. And that's kind of what it looked like. It looked like a frustrated team that almost like, I feel like when you hear that, it's like, well, do they think it was going to be easy? Like, you know, what are you frustrated by? Like, okay, you're going to have to work for the win, but even still, like you got up to nothing. So there shouldn't, you know, that should have allowed you to play a little freer, like a little less frustrated. So, yeah, know, just just like a just a very weird game, and I get being totally frustrated by like the Clifton call at the end, and maybe some of the other calls. But again, you were still up two nothing, and and blew a two nothing lead.
2: Yeah, and and it was interesting to me just how many times we heard the word frustrating from pretty much every single person that we talked to after the game. Maybe Krejci didn't say it, but he didn't say much at all. Um, but, you know, Marshawn... Hawk, I think the
1: fact that Krejci said so little tells you that uh, he was pretty he frustrated.
2: Was, yeah, he was pretty frustrated with us too. Um, did not well, want he, to answer.
0: He said, uh, t- t- to you guys' point, I actually read into it a little bit. I was going to ask you guys what you thought about that because what Krejci said was, um, he said, I don't want to get into it, which kind of tells you there was, there was something really bothering him, him. so i don't know if, yeah so yeah. i don't know if you guys had the did kind
2: of it did kind of feel like we were missing something right scott it kind of felt like we were missing some sort of thing that they they were all talking about and referencing that we didn't really understand completely what where the frustration was coming from
1: i think it, it was probably specifically the clifton call um if not the officiating in general and i think mm. that's why that that's how i read it was crazy was saying like i'm not gonna get into bitching about the refs basically
0: well i think for both teams like i definitely think watching that game uh i i thought the refs were way too involved you you look at this you you look at the stat line and both teams had six power plays and both teams went one for six so i'm not saying this from a perspective where it's like oh, the refs screwed the bruins like you know put the whistles away i'm i'm saying from a from a neutral perspective for both teams. Like if I'm a Kings fan or Bruins fan, or just a neutral fan watching the game, you watch that game and it's the refs are way too involved to call 12 penalties in a 60 minute. Well, I guess that that's not true. It was a 65 minute game. And one of them did bleed over, but they called six, they called 12 penalties in regulation. The last one carried over that's way too much involvement. And it's dictating. It's dictating the outcome of the game. It's, it's controlling the, the ebbs and flows. And more importantly, what it does, and maybe this is what, beyond the specific calls against his teammates, maybe what frustrates players when refs have nights like this is you're just, you're totally disrupting the flow of the game. And, and it's just, I think it's a frustrating, uh, if that's the word of the night game to play in because everybody's out of sync and you're not able to get in your line, your five on five lines. And that's how I read that. Yeah.
2: And, and Taylor Hall said as much, he, he, gave probably the best answers on on things um, after the game to kind of just talk through what what the issue was and he did mention that there was a lot of disruption because of the the penalties but in particular the, the five on three that they had to try to kill off um you know some guys got cold um and you know that that's the the issue when you're there's so much special teams um some guys are just not getting ice time for for extended periods of time because they're either not on the penalty kill they're not a penalty killer like Matt like say doesn't get a lot of time on the penalty kill or they're not a forward that comes out and plays much time on the power play so that's another thing that kind of it, it messes up um people getting cold and people not getting shifts and kind of getting out of the game a little bit
1: Yeah, I mean, like, Trent Frederick, who's been playing really well recently, ends up at 10.45 for the game because he doesn't play in power play or or penalty kills. So, yeah, like, absolutely, they got guys out of rhythm. Um, Again, you know, something you have to fight through, and I I don't think it excuses blowing a 2-0 lead, but it does kind of add to just the whole feel of it just being you know, kind of an odd night, really the second one of the week. I mean, that Islanders game didn't feel like, you know, a normal game or a game where like the Bruins were on, they had to kind of just slug their way through it. Um, And this was was a lot of the same, just very, very disjointed. You saw a lot of shifts with line combinations that weren't what they were on the depth chart because they're coming off a power play. So, you know, the guys are just on the power play had to sit a next shift
2: I, coming I off saw, a penalty
1: kill on the guys who were killing the penalty, you know, miss a shift. Like just,
2: I'm pretty sure I saw no out there with like Hall and Posternock at one point in time. And I was like, I don't know what's going on yeah. with this, but, um, that was after one of the penalties. So yeah, it, it definitely disrupted the lines and, and something, something that when we talked to Marshawn, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, Today, once again, it came up about him still not being one hundred percent recovering from injury, the the double hip surgery. Um, he one thing that he said that was interesting to me. I tried to tweet it, but my Twitter just like not working right now. Um, I blame Elon. But uh, was, I was that say,
1: did you tweet the location of Elon Musk's jet? Because I know I think I got
2: I think I was one of those journalists that got mm-hmm. suspended. But so Marshawn said that one of the things that he's been told by Montgomery to to watch out for is extending his shifts because he's not fully in the shape that he usually, um, you know, is in during the season because of that recovery time for him. And so he's been extending shifts and then that affects him a few shifts down the line and it's affecting him, you know, one shift later, two shifts later, three shifts later. So his, he's trying to cut back on that, take shorter shifts so that it doesn't impact him, um, you know, as the period goes on. Um, So that's just a conditioning thing. And I think the word that coach used was learning curve um, for like how much his body can handle at at this point after the double hip surgery and, and um, you know, where he is physically uh, is kind of not what he's used to. So he's having to change a little bit about his game to make up for that.
1: Yeah. And I also thought that was interesting coming on the heels of at, I don't remember if it was when they were on the road or if it was since they came back, it all kind of blends together. But at some point recently, he made a comment about Bergeron, like what makes him so effective. And one of the things he highlighted was that he changes off quick. So he's always, you know, he's, he's never caught out there tired. So, you know, he shorns his shifts, gets back to the bench, and then he's fresh for his next shift and you know now you kind of piece the two together and it's like okay obviously yeah like there's clearly a message to marsh and of like at least for the time being at least until you get you know your full endurance back you know if and when that happens uh you know try to be more on the bergeron schedule like keep your shift short give it your all for 30 35 seconds and then get off don't try to extend it to 45 50 a minute Um, you know, because you want to make sure that you're recovered for the next shift. That that line isn't sitting on the bench for a long period of time. So if Martian's wearing himself out, you know, on a long shift and then it's kind of bleeding into the next one, yeah, like that would help explain some of um some of like the five on five inconsistency that I think we've we've seen from him at times. Because on the power play, he still looks really good. He's putting up points there, he gets the goal tonight on the power play um but five on five you know it's not it's not like this games bad but it's just not yeah. up to the level that we're used to seeing
2: well that's because you know on the power play you're not usually playing end-to-end hockey when it's five on five you're playing end-to-end you're you're wearing yourself out more you're transitioning hopefully if your power plays you know doing what it needs to do most of the time is spent in the offensive side of the ice and even when the puck gets cleared you don't necessarily have to clear all the way out you just got to come back to the neutral zone so that take it takes less out of you and and that it makes a lot of sense when when you put it like that and you see that we see the stats that bear out that he's been better on the power play since he's come back than five on five and we kind of been starting to get a little bit of the reasoning the conditioning and and it makes sense that you know the the injury is factoring in the way it is
0: how about that how about that goal though tonight with um with Pasternak behind the net fearing for his life do you guys catch that yeah that, that was, was that was hilarious <laughs> that I was Like great. almost fell over <laughs> and then you see Marshan laughing in the uh in the celebration um but look I mean hey his uh his snapshot's still there I think uh yeah, I think that tonight was his first point in what five games? Is that what they said? Uh, yeah, on the broadcast. So look, yeah. I mean, that 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 tells you he's even struggling a little bit, uh, a little bit, um, on the power play too. Because you know you'd like to think he got a pointer here and there in the last five games in the power play, but um, yeah, I mean, look for for Marshan. My my opinion has just stayed the same all year. It's like I, I just I just care that he's healthy and and and. The best Martian that he can be, come you know April and and uh, May and hopefully June. I'm, you know, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it would be great to see him um, be back in the running for like the the Heart Trophy. But I, I just think that when you miss a month of the season, uh, it's tough to get yourself back into that race. And um, so it's possible his his years of, of putting up 100 points. Uh, 110 points could be behind him because you know because as you get older you might play less games and, and and whatever but all I care about is that Brad Marchand is Brad Marchand in the playoffs that that's that's my biggest concern with him and I think I have no doubt that he will be um, his,
2: his personality hasn't changed
0: no and, and you know I think tonight was one of the first times this year where you kind of saw he, we all know and, and he has said it himself over the years but as long as he knows the line he he's his best when he's engaged and he's let me take that back he's engaged every single game he plays in what I mean by that is he's at his best when he's when he's emotionally kind of on an edge like he's pissed off at somebody in the team like he was with Philip Denault tonight and I think that was one of the first times this year we've kind of seen him the old Martian in fact I think it was the first time uh, Monty saw the uh, the dragon within so um, yeah
2: i hope i yeah good thing that the uh mics didn't pick up anything because uh if you were reading his lips there it was just every every word was a swear yeah. word so
0: and you can tell you can tell it was a, a relatively green ref he looked the kid looked like he was probably you know in his maybe late 20s so he looked like it looked like a newer ref in the league that Marshian was just giving it to him and you got you saw bergeron kind of bring him back a little bit too
2: And that the penalty, the one penalty that we really saw him, you know, get it, trying to get in the ref's face about where he was particularly angry. I don't think they showed it on the TV broadcast, but as soon as he got in the box, he just, I don't know, I assume broke his stick because I just heard it. Slam against the the penalty box door. So they they didn't show it on Nesson, but I. Yeah, well, Andy just
1: slammed the door shut.
2: Oh yeah, it was, there was a lot of loud noises coming from (laughs) inside the box. So he was, you know, even sitting in there just pissed off and, and yeah. And and you know what? He, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about that matching penalty with him and Dino towards the end. Um, But. Yeah, it it seemed like at certain points in time he may have gotten a little carried away, but Dano was really pushing his buttons pretty much throughout the whole game.
1: Yeah, I mean the the matching penalty was probably the right call. Like, I agree. If if, if anything, I was wondering if Martian was going to get an extra two because he like he finished. Now it wasn't like a super hard hit; it wasn't going to do any damage, but he finished that hit on Dano like way late i mean he clearly just chased after him at the puck was like already at the other end of the ice pretty much and martian just skated right at Dano and finished his hit like five seconds late um and that's what set it off and and, you know and and he was pissed off from early in the game because i think it was earlier in the game that he got the cut he ended he end up with a cut by his eye
2: no i asked him and he said it was from the Dano when he went to the ground with Dano.
1: Oh, uh, so from the from the end. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, you know, they had a thing going all night and like and I, I don't said, think like, he
2: had stitches. It was just kind of taped. Just, yeah, just it was almost like clarity. a butterfly
1: stitch or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: it didn't look like a real stitch, but it was kind I mean, and it was right it was in a dangerous spot though. It was right on the corner of his eye, like literally where your eyelashes stop. That was right exactly where it was. Um it looked like it was, you know, almost an injury to the eye, which would have been a lot worse, obviously. Um, my guess is it was from his visor hit when his head hit the ice and his visor hit the ice. But he said he didn't know exactly how it happened, but it happened during when him and Danal went on the went to the ice. And Montgomery said he thought maybe um Dino pushed his face into the ice, but Marshawn said he doesn't even remember. He was just angry and that was I mean he was, was
0: he was certainly the uh, the initiator and the aggressor in that situation, and you know, it was it wasn't like like he was annoyed. I mean, he had he had taken two minor frustrated minor, even, yeah, yeah. It's, I should I should have gone with that. Um, yeah. I mean, he he took two minor penalties earlier in the game. The first one, I mean, look when when you have a puck that's up for grabs, it looks like an NBA you know center court toss up. You you know if you're gonna you're gonna cross check the guy in the back whether it was malicious or not like it's the entire arena is looking at that situation so there's no hiding from it and so that was a stupid yeah, penalty it, it,
2: that was an offensive zone penalty as well
0: <laughs> yeah it was yeah but it was just it, it was obviously going to be called um, but the one in the third period I think it was or I think it was the third period where you know he he was pissed off because he thought the guy was chicken winging him and, and you know he probably was I think it was I think it was Kevin Fiala he 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 was but. You know, it's he he, he was definitely uh, his temperament wasn't at its best tonight. But well, uh, yeah.
2: I, I want to pose this question then, because Marshawn played the full 60 with that kind of emotion. But what guys do you think played a full 60 minutes? And what guys do you think just really, you know, kind of disappeared or d- didn't have it? Didn't have that full 60 minute effort?
1: Um. Well, I mean I mentioned him earlier but I thought it was an off night for Krejci. You know, I, I don't know about effort-wise. I just thought first game back um he seemed off. And yeah, it's not like he missed a ton of time. It was what two two games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even like down to only winning two of the 10 faceoffs he took, um you know, I thought there were shifts where he was barely noticeable, quite frankly. And so that that's oh. that'd be like the first one that comes to mind for yeah, me. Yeah, is-
2: and there was an all-forward power play at the end of regulation. Montgomery threw Krejci out there instead of McAvoy, and then the puck. I don't know if the puck just was really bouncing and popped over his stick but he I feel like McAvoy holds that in at the point um but Krejci didn't and that might just have been the bounce and but that killed off a lot of the time they had at the end of the period on the power play at the very end of regulation
0: well I've I've been on record with you guys I'm not a fan of that look I don't like I don't like the all forward power play it just doesn't do it for me um but I will say tonight I wasn't as opposed to it because to answer your your question Bridget. One player in my opinion who I just didn't think had their game at all tonight was McAvoy. Um, you know, I thought he was chasing the game a little bit. Now look, he's gonna have a handful of off games an entire season. So I'm not gonna harp on him. But just to answer the question of who I thought just played a little bit less than, you know, their capabilities tonight. I, th- I thought he struggled. I thought clearly he uh he wasn't he wasn't quarterback in the power play very crisp, um, as he usually does. And you know that first that first power play unit as as dangerous as they are when they're set up in the ozone i just they just they're lacking uh simplicity and they're lacking effectiveness on their uh in their zone entries and on the men advantage and you you watch the second unit the second power play unit and the combination of lindholm zaka and taylor hall Whichever one of them is is entering the offensive zone on the power play, they they entered the ozone with ease on their in their power play unit. So I'm not sure if Montgomery should maybe put Hall in the first unit f- for the brusque, or maybe put Zach on that. For I don't know, but that first unit struggles getting into the offensive zone. But not to go off on a, on a power play tangent, but I thought I thought McAvoy struggled. So tonight was the one night where I was kind of like, oh, McAvoy doesn't like himself. He was I think he had like two giveaways. He wasn't I think he had one hit. Minus one. So I was okay with him not being on the ice in that situation, but maybe Lindholm?
1: Yeah, and that, that first King's goal too, like McAvoy was like he was in position, but kind of gets caught in between where the rebound sort of bounces away from him and he's not mm-hmm. able to tie up uh Kempe's stick and you know, just ends up sort of stuck there. Um Yeah, the to your point on the power play, like there was one in entry in particular st- stood out. Where like Posnok actually gets in the zone, then pulls up, passes back to McAvoy, but McAvoy's going the opposite direction, and it's right out of the zone. And it's like it, it feels like they're just overcomplicating, especially with like the passes right around the line or or right when they pull up. There was another one where um, I think Posnok came over the line, lo- or the puck came over to Posnok for an entry, and like Bergeron was right next to him, and. Pasternak could have just held on to the puck, but instead, say like, flips it ahead for Bergeron. But Bergeron wasn't moving forward; like he was just standing at the point. And it's like they're just off. Like they are just they're not on the same page. Like guys are, you know, whoever the guy who has the puck on a stick is thinking one thing, and the other guy's not going where he thought he was going. And it's like, all right, like you, you practice this stuff, like that that you know shouldn't be you know, when in doubt, just, just hold on to the puck or send it hard around the boards. Like enough of the, enough of the cute little short passes at the blue line that aren't doing anything.
2: There was a point where Hall was trying to make a pass, like through the slot to Passenach and Passenach started changing out. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, well, he's not there anymore. Um, uh, he's leaving. He's, he's at the end of his shift and he's, and he's on his way out. But um, to stick to, you know, McAvoy and the defense, I have two questions um, that I want to pose to you guys for the defense. Um, obviously, before the game, there was kind of a will he, won't he play with Hampus Lindholm. So to touch on that a little bit, um, he felt sick in the morning um, at, at morning skate, was listed as a game time decision. I saw Jakob Zaborl up on the ninth floor getting M&Ms because we were both getting M&Ms and um, not to rat him out, but I mean, M&Ms are good. Uh, And so I was like, okay, he's in a suit. Like he's not playing. That means Lindholm must be playing. Then all of a sudden, like five minutes into warmups, we look down on the ice and Zaboros like came out late and we're like, okay, maybe this is bad news for Lindholm. And like, why, why have a guy that was in his suit on the ninth floor just, you know, enjoying his M&Ms go back down and, and take warmups if he's not going to play. But then lo and behold, when stays in, uh, I'm not sure we didn't get to talk to him. I requested him. I, I think it would have been interesting to know, like, was he the one who made that decision? Um, how he was feeling, but either way, the doesn't get in the lineup. Lindholm stays in. What did you guys think of, you know, how he played?
1: I thought, I thought he was okay. Um, Certainly not as bad. There are a couple times where I felt like when he's really on his game, like particularly on the breakout, there were times where I was like, "All right, if if Lindholm's hundred percent, this is a spot where he takes off and carries the puck in transition." And instead, he was like just kind of holding on to it and then looking for a pass. And it, it was like, I feel like that might be where, because he still played twenty two minutes. It's not like yeah, you know, it's not like he only played 15 minutes or something so his minutes are still there but there were moments where i was like i wonder if he fully trusts himself to Mm -hmm. um you know to go as hard or or to out skate guys or fend off someone the the way that he usually does and you know not to as far as the warm-up stuff I, i i to me that said that he was a legitimate game time decision where it was like Okay, he's feeling good enough. He's gonna go out there. And then it's uh maybe he's not quite there. Like was let's get some on just Uncertainty
2: in case. with the yeah. whole Zeboral having to go down and warm yeah. up situation. So I think it
1: was like a true game time decision. And and I'm sure he was pushing to play because no one likes to sit out. Um and not to make excuses for anyone, but I I don't think he's the only Bruin who's been under the weather this week. I think like, you know, Is happening in a lot of workplaces and schools and like everywhere right now is something is just going around and, uh, you know, people aren't feeling great. I think there's been a little bit of that with the Bruins. I think they're probably not the only NHL team dealing with it either. Um, but ultimately, you know, every, all the regulars were, were able to play. So it's obviously no one was sick enough that they missed the game. There was no, obvious like reduction in minutes for anyone that i noticed um you know lindholm's the one we knew about because he actually missed morning skate but um you know so i don't know like is that a factor in them being a little bit off this week is it a factor in blowing a third period lead i mean maybe but again like everyone's kind of dealing with that right now
0: yeah i mean I i thought uh I thought Lynn Holmes certainly, you know, gave it an honest effort tonight. I don't think he was, obviously it wasn't one of his better nights, but it wasn't, he wasn't awful. It, he gave it a shot. He's like, you guys mentioned he's under the weather and he gave it a go. Um, you could tell there were times where he was trying to spark things and night some offense. It just wasn't his night. It wasn't a lot of guys nights. I mean, um, I thought, I thought some of the, like I thought Thomas Nosek had a good night down, down in the bottom six and did a good job. I mean, again, again, you know they had six, they had six penalties against, and the only goal they gave up was a five-on-three in the last minute and a half, two minutes of the game. So I thought like a guy like Nosic did well in, in his role. I thought Derek Forbert had a strong game. Clifton was trying to make things happen. Carlo, I thought I don't know if I mentioned him. I thought he thought he played uh, had a presence out there. But and then up front, the only guy who really jumped out to me up front, um, I mean I know I mentioned Nosic, but I mean from like a from like a scoring perspective, that was kind of playing with juice all night was Taylor Hall and he just continues to have a be playing some great hockey um don't look now but he's he's second on the bruins in scoring um now there's a bit of a margin between him and Pasternak. but um and if Mara should played the same amount of games i'm sure he'd still be second but regardless taylor hall i, I think i had just had it up uh 12 12 goals 12 goals 11 assists 23 points in 29 games um and i think he has what scott maybe like seven or eight points in his last seven or eight games or something like that is that what they're yeah,
1: saying Yeah, I think over, uh Yeah, I think it's six goals, four assists in the last eight games.
0: So I mean, he's 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 playing some good hockey and uh I think that's a I think that's a really promising sign for many reasons. Number one, we talked earlier about Marsh and is still working his way back. Um and just the I guess Swiss Army knife role, they have Taylor Hall playing where, yes, he's technically on their third line right now when everybody's in the, in the lineup, but he's also, you know, he if, if the goalie's pulled, he's out there. If there's overtime, he's out there. If there's a power play, he's out there on both units, depending on what, what the situation is. So he's out there a lot. Now tonight, surprisingly, he was only, uh, I think he was like six on the Bruins for forwards and ice time, but I think a lot of that's because of the 12 penalties against, uh, I'm sorry, six penalties against. so. That's probably How why absurd. it felt like 12, it felt like 12 penalties again. So I meant 12 penalties total in the game. But obviously the shorthanded penalties for the Bruins took away some of his ice time. So but anyway, um he's somebody who because, again, Bridget, this goes back to your question earlier about guys who you thought stood out and, and negatively and positively. And he's a guy I thought continues to play strong for the Bruins.
2: That goal was an absolute snipe too.
0: Oh, thank you for reminding me. Yes, that was the thing I wanted to say is that goal that like that's a goal when he was playing in New Jersey. Now that was technically not a power play, but it was they it was an extra. It was extra, it, was extra
2: attack, it was extra attacker goalie pulled with a delayed penalty.
0: In the second period. First yes. period.
2: Second so, period.
0: Second period. So um thanks for reminding me, Bridget. That that goal was very very reminiscent of a lot of goals he scored in jersey when they had him on a strong side in the power play and that shot right there just goes to exemplify again that he's playing with confidence i'm sorry you guys can take it over
1: yeah and it's you know it's a spot that he doesn't really get to play in the power play much because obviously that side of the ice is spot on the first unit and then they like putting creche there on the second unit so um but you know obviously that their power play moves around and like he can still get some looks over there you know we see on the top unit Pasanak and Hall switch sides a lot so you do wonder like if that's something that you you know look you should try to get him more on that second unit but as we've said earlier like the second unit's been doing pretty well anyways so um but yeah t- you know he's he's been playing really well uh in general for for a while now and you know had that little bit of a slow stretch earlier in the season Um, in, you know, probably in part because of the, the injury he had dealt with in preseason, Uh, but is really rolling now. And is just a, a huge asset, no matter where he's playing, you know, we obviously we've covered what it means to have someone like that in the third line, still producing like at, right now, not just the top six forward, but he's producing like a top liner. So, Um, yeah, it's, it's great. And and they've needed it because as we touched on, you know, some other guys aren't, uh, quite doing as much, especially at, at five on five. So, you know, he's, he's had to pick it up.
2: Yeah. And someone, someone we've talked about the last few episodes that, um, has been really good five on five was Pavel Zaka. They reunite the check line with Krejci back. So they got Zaka Krejci, pasta knock together I, zaka had a few good plays in the first period like one in one in particular that stuck out to me was he one of the defensemen for the kings had the puck right above the crease and he um in front of his own net and zaka lifted his stick and got a quick shot off and like he was kind of playing a little bit of net front um on the power play and at different points and he kind of disappeared as the game went on but he was one of the people who had a an okay start. And then I felt like kind of disappeared a little.
0: Yeah. He's a, he's a clever player uh, to, to what you mentioned earlier about the stick lift and this and that. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I think it just speaks to there was no flow in this game at even strength. I just think that, you know, look at a guy like Nick Felino for example, he's sitting on, he, he's riding pine for a lot of the game and then they throw him out there on the goal on the goal line for a power play here and there. And it's like, well, how is he supposed to be effective? He hasn't gotten his legs going tonight. Um, so I'm not now Zaka. He plays in all situations. He did They put him on a PK a little bit too, right? Zaka.
2: Not really. Yeah. Oh, did they today?
1: Yeah. He had 46 seconds. So that was probably just one, maybe two shifts.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: he's not like someone that really, that's his main role there. Gets more power I mean, I play think- time.
0: I think I think Krejci's struggling, guys. I think and Bridget to your to your point, like I think I think Krejci being off his game, being back in the lineup tonight. I think I don't mean this. I'm not trying to be mean, but like I think he kind of brought his line down a little bit. So I think Zaka was part of that. Uh, Krejci yeah, when, wasn't really Krejci.
2: When you think about Krejci's role, uh, you know he's a setup guy. So you're right. Like when your setup guy is a little bit off, you're. You're not distributing that line, the puck's not being distributed the same way, and that leads to fewer chances.
1: Well, and Zaka's really been more of a distributor this season, too. And I know, you know, coming into the year, they wanted him to have a little bit more of a shoot first mentality, but like his shots per game have basically been in line with his career average, or at least his averages the last few years. So it's not, he really hasn't been shooting more. Um, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned in the last podcast that he's had some bad luck when he is shooting. His shooting percentage is well below his career average. But what he's done best is setting guys up. And, you know, I thought he, he had a couple of good setups again tonight. Uh, one was Tinosic, I think, just coming off the bench, changing on for Krejci. And then, um, and that actually later in the game, he had a, a, to the point of like, just disjointed shifts he ended up on a shift with no second greer and like they had a good offensive zone cycle going um but yeah it, it's an interesting dynamic because like obviously any line that pass on you're trying to get him the puck for shooting opportunities but i feel like Krejci and zaka both both want to be distributors both want to pass more. It's like so one of them's gotta shoot more and um you know I think that line is other issues like that's not the only reason that they're not quite clicking the way you would hope, but that dynamic does I think could be one of them and I wonder um you know I wonder when Montgomery tries something different like if if that doesn't change, if it's still if that line is still just kind of trying to funnel everything to Pasternak, well, it become not that it's ever easy to cover Pasternak, but teams can can clearly key on him in the offensive zone. So, uh, you know, you're going to need those other guys to – to sh- who should have more space and more opportunities to shoot to take advantage of it.
2: Yeah, Brian, if you – do you have a point on that? or uh, Okay, so – Two more things before we get going. Um, I only mentioned this because it was different than usual. Um, I don't know if it really affected the game all that much, but the D pairs were different for tonight's game. Uh, McAvoy-Forbert was that top pair. Lindholm-Clifton back together and Grizzlick carlo um, I only mentioned that really just because that, that Forbert-McAvoy pair isn't something they've been going to a lot, um, and – just wanted to bring it up
0: yeah definitely interesting when everybody's in the lineup that 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 was kind of the uh the mcavoy pairing uh was did they did they mix and match throughout the game i thought i saw i thought i saw carlo and forward together at one point but maybe that was a penalty well, kill that's, situation
2: that's a, pe- a common penalty kill thing that they do
0: okay i wasn't sure if that was at five on five i was looking at that but there wasn't uh, a
2: lot of five they on were, five.
0: <laughs> so that they did they two
1: minutes together at five on five but for the most part, he, Montgomery tend to stick to the pairs that, that Bridget just mentioned.
2: Yeah, I don't think it affected the game all that much. I just wanted to mention it just purely because Forbert McAvoy hasn't been a common thing. And my lat, oh, did you have something? Yeah, Scott?
1: no, yeah. So, I th- and I think it was just it was an opportunity to, you know, when we talk about wanting everyone to be comfortable with everyone, like forward McAvoy was one that really hadn't been used yet. So you get an opportunity, you know, they were together in morning skate. Um, you know, I think the possibility that Lindholm might miss this game sort of opened up. And obviously the easy one to go to would have been Grizzly McAvoy because they've played a ton together over the years, but maybe was something about this matchup where Montgomery wanted, you know, the more defensive bigger body next to McAvoy um, and sort of got that in his head, and then even though Lindholm played, decided to stick with it and see how it looked for a game, and you know that that they were fine. I mean, they were on the ice for that first Kings goal against, but as as I said, like that was honestly probably more in McAvoy than anything because he just isn't able to get a stick to either the, the puck or to Kempe in front of the net. Um, you know, I think Forbert actually played that. Okay, he probably because he had the guy who kind of came over the blue line, and maybe could have been a little closer in terms of gap control. But like, he didn't give him a ton of space, so you know, I didn't think he wasn't like at fault there. It's not like they gave up that goal because forward McAvoy doesn't work. Like, you know, I thought again, no one's really great tonight, but I thought that pairing was fine. It, you know, it was it wasn't a disaster like there's at least enough of a reason there to be like, okay, maybe you could try that again in the future. We know it didn't really work well last year, but now Forbert's had, you know, a full season plus here. He's in a different place than he was early last season. I think we all know he's playing much better than than he was then. So, um, yeah, you, you could see it again.
0: It's also different, though, too, when you have – like last year when it was McAvoy and Forbert – it was like, well, that's your top pair, but now you have Hampus Lindholm on your decor as well, so it's not as like it's just it's just a different perception. Like I'm, I'm, I have no issue with forward playing with McAvoy here and there because you have Hampus Lindholm on a different pair, so it's it's just a bit of a different uh, different look now. They're deeper, so it's 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 okay now. Uh,
2: one last thing we haven't touched on at all was goaltending. Um, so Allmark back in net tonight. Uh, what did you guys think of him?
1: I thought it was really good. Most of the game, you know, especially two periods. Um, I didn't, I mean, the, the five on three, like whatever it's a, it's a five on three. Maybe could have been quicker getting across, but that's, you know, it's a scene pass. That's going to be a tough save all the time. Uh, the first goal Again, like, yeah, you could nitpick and say maybe should have had better rebound control, but also, as I already said, like McAvoy was there, so it's not, you know, he didn't. I don't know. If it, it feels like nitpicking to try to put either goal on him, I thought he was mm-hmm. really solid for the most part.
2: We're on the other side of the ice. Phoenix Copley uh, got beat clean twice on both of those shots. Um, I didn't think he was particularly good. Um, and Jack Edwards had a field day with uh, his name. And and when he fell down behind the net, <laughs> he uh, he went to go play a puck behind the net. And and Jack said, "Wait, let me find it. I wrote it down." Uh, he said he said Copley in Kenmore Square. He's falling down out of the bars. <laughs> so he was trying to make a reference to the tea and him being drunk on his way to get on the train. So that was that. And he hated the fact that his name, his name Phoenix is felt not the right way. And he referenced that like three times.
1: Gave me flashbacks to my time at BU.
0: (laughs) I mean, Jack's going to Jack, but like, he's also just getting calls wrong. Like the, the shootout, I'm trying to remember who it was for, for the Kings. Um, Whoever it was, though, they came They came down just like clear as they just like shot it in. And like Jack said, Jack thought Allmark saved it and called it like that until even as the guys going through the the, the bench fist pounding his, his, his teammates, he's like still saying it was a save by Allmark. Like, what are you talking
2: I about? I think it Jack? was the Kempe goal. And I'm pretty sure it he called it that way because the crowd cheered. They reacted yeah. so wrong. And you don't usually see that the crowd literally was cheering and then they were like oh
1: the, no, that was i thin. think the the crowd like missed both of the first two kings goals in the shoot the first one was like there was some cheering and then i think people quickly realized it was in uh yeah that was velarde and then to your point on kempe yeah i think for like five good five seconds like thousands of people in the garden thought that was a save and it was like it's <laughs> true uh, nope
0: Um, It was very
2: confusing for everyone.
0: One thing I wanted to mention to you guys before we got out of here was, um, I think next time the Kings come to TD garden, the Bruins better put an asterisk next to them on a schedule because they are a team that every time they come to the garden, they play a full 60 plus. And this is not the first time that the Kings have come to Boston and done this. So a couple of years ago, there was like a second left on the clock and, and, uh, Tyler To won the game against the Bruins off a face faceoff shot, like literally like a second left, not even a second left. The Kings won that game in the last second of the game. But more more ironic though, remember remember uh, last last podcast I was previewing the game coming up, and I was like the Bruins and the Kings had a really good game last year at the Garden, and I think the Kings won in overtime, whatever. So last year the Kings actually technically it was earlier this this calendar year, but Last season, the Kings tied the game 2-2. to uh, Trevor Moore tied the game with, like, 40 seconds left. I was just looking at it on the box score. They tied the game 2-2. Wait, you're, you're
1: telling me last year's Bruins gave up a goal in the final minute of a period?
2: <laughs> that was, like, the topic that, of, like, 10 articles in a <laughs> row.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, regardless, um, it's I, I, I guess it makes the point even louder than that this year's Bruins did it again. But um, – The Kings tied the game 2-2, final minute, winning overtime 3-2. Tonight, the Kings tied the game 2-2, like a minute and a half left, whatever it was, and winning overtime 3-2. Well, shootout, but – so eerily similar uh, games between these two teams at the Garden in the last couple of years. And every time they played the Kings in Boston, except for that one time when they came back with Lucic and they were wearing, like, their gold jerseys, the Kings were wearing, like, their yellow and purple jerseys, I think they – I think they beat the Bruins like nine one or something that game. But that was like the that was like the 2016 weird Bruins that they were kind of like not good, not bad. But I thought that was interesting, though, that it was kind of tonight played out very similar to last season's game here. So don't sleep on the Kings next time they come to Boston is my point for the Bruins. But yeah,
1: anyway. One one last straight thought I had I was reminded of it when you mentioned when you brought Elmark up. So that's three straight starts for him. Swayman hasn't started since that rough game Friday night. And I'm assuming Swayman's going to start Saturday, you know, turnaround from Thursday night to a Saturday 1 p.m. game. I'm assuming that's going to be Swayman. But, you know, this is kind of what I touched on the last pod, which is like, all right, you know, yes, Allmark isn't going to get exhausted yet, but you don't want to get in the habit of him starting, three straight games all the time. Like, so I think Saturday is going to be an important start for Swayman. You're facing a weak opponent in Columbus should be a win, should be a fairly easy time, you know, a good game for Swayman to get on track. Um, but if he doesn't, like if he gives up a soft goal or two, then what, then you sit him down for another week. Like, is he on the shelf until Christmas? Um, you know, the it's kinda it can just become an uncomfortable situation. Obviously, you you hope you avoid that. You hope he plays well. He might only face sixteen shots, um, but he only faced sixteen last Friday against Arizona. So uh hopefully for the Bruins, uh Saturday is a good opportunity for Swayman to bounce back because I think they they need him to have some confidence and I think you know they need Jim Montgomery and goalie Bob to uh, to have some confidence in them so that they don't have to ride Olmark uh, as much as they have at times this season.
2: To add some perspective to that matchup as well against Columbus, Columbus is in last in the Metro right now. Um, so just going in to that game, it's not like you know a lot of the times they're playing Olmark in those better games, those um, those matchups against teams that you know, you think about like Colorado. Tampa Bay and Swayman's been in there for Arizona and probably Columbus coming up Saturday. So we're talking about two different levels of teams. Um, so we'll see how he plays. And I think I mentioned this before, but sometimes when you play a lesser opponent, you play down to them. Uh, and when you don't feel like it's when, when you don't feel like you're in a situation where you like backs against the wall, maybe a little bit complacent. Um, not sure if that factors in at all too the way that Swayman's played against some of those lesser opponents this year.
0: Well, Bridget, you made a comment last episode that Swayman seems to always rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's the case, maybe they should just give him the start at Fenway and no will pressure there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He'll pitch a shutout. He'll be rocking and rolling for the second of the season.
2: I'm sure he's a big Sox fan. So
0: yeah, but yeah, and Scott no, I mean- and I
2: got our credentials, so we'll be there.
0: There you go. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think Saturday is a cupcake game for him to go in and, and get some confidence back. I mean, the Blue Jackets suck. Um, so yeah. And, and the Bruins should be pretty pissed off about their their effort the last two games at home. I know they beat the Islanders and I know they were a shootout goal away and a save from winning again tonight. But to a man, they know that they they haven't been great the last couple of games. And Look, I mean, you you want to look at the last six six or seven games? The Bruins are, you know, they're kind of win one, lose one, right? I mean, they they did one two in a row before tonight, but you lost to Vegas, you beat Colorado, you lost to the uh, Coyotes, you beat Vegas, you beat the Islanders, you you know, you lose to uh, um, who they play tonight, the Kings. Thanks. So, so it's all right, that's late. a sign that we've that we're running too long. It's
1: time to wrap, So <laughs>
0: But you, get my, you get my point though so they gotta they got get they gotta write the ship they gotta get back into what their groove again so start with it on saturday against the blue jackets clearly i'm good guys you all set yes all right yep. thank you everybody for listening we'll talk to you soon